Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. Arizona is home to a lot of wildlife that's unique to this part of the country, and some of us don't necessarily know a lot about them. Uh, This is Jim Albany. Um, I live now at Red Mountain Ranch in Northeast Mesa, and just wondering if uh, javelinas are really dangerous. Our producer Maritza Dominguez went to answer this question. Back when I used to live in Tucson, I lived in an apartment complex near A Mountain. At night, I'd hear sounds of trash cans being tumbled down and sounds like this. The first few nights, I had no idea what it was. And then one night, I ran into a whole herd of javelinas in the parking lot. I thought it was so interesting they were there. But I don't know much about javelinas other than they love to rummage in college students' trash. Are they pigs? Why are they called javelinas? I went to the Phoenix Zoo to find out. Right when you walk into the zoo, on your left, you'll find the Arizona Trail. These animals on this trail are all native to Arizona. This is Linda Hardwick, a spokeswoman of the Phoenix Zoo. This is really their habitat, so that's people really love this Arizona Trail because it's definitely all Arizona native species. After you've passed the Quadimundi and the bald eagle exhibits, you'll find the javelina. They're in a large desert-like exhibit with rocks, a big tree, and toys scattered on the floor. You'll find six javelinas lounging around in shade or playing in a mud wallow. In case you've never seen one, they look like a tiny wild boar. They stand less than two feet tall and around three feet long. Their hair is the color of salt and pepper. Um, they have coarse hair, um, almost like almost like quills like a porcupine, but very thin to where uh, a lot of people might um, think they're soft and they're more bristly. I'm Devorah Young, and I am uh, the senior, uh, senior hoofstock keeper and primary keeper of the Arizona native uh, ungulates. Basically, Devorah takes care of all the animals that have hooves. Devorah has taken care of these javelinas since they were young. She even named them after some pretty famous characters. Originally, we were told there was three and three, so I named them the Brady Bunch names. And then when we got them, I realized that we had two boys and four girls. So there's no Peter, there's an Alice. Devorah told me javelina don't originate from Arizona or the Southwest. They actually come from South America. And over the last few centuries, they migrated north into Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. In the wild, they primarily eat cactus, prickly pears, and various other desert plants. So why are they called javelina? Javelina is like the slang name for collared peccary, which is like their official name. And javelina uh, came from the Spanish uh, for hav- or for javelin because of their canines. They're so big, and even though their mouths are small when they open them, their canines are huge, and they're kind of like javelins. And so it kind of works on that for javelin, and then it would be more like javelina, but the J is more of a huh, and so it's javelina. During my conversation with Devorah, she suggested to talk with someone from Arizona Game and Fish. They'd have more information on how to deal with them in the wild, kind of like when I would run into them in my parking lot in Tucson. So to get to the answer, I talked with Darren Julian of Arizona Game and Fish. For the most part, most of the issues that we deal with as far as human safety go, javelina are pretty low uh, on the list of you know potentially dangerous animals. 
So they're not totally dangerous to humans, but the more comfortable they get with us, the less scared they are, and that can become a problem. Now, what do you do if you run into a javelina? Darren had some advice to follow. You don't want to freeze because they have such terrible eyesight, but a good sense of movement. So if you're standing still, you've become invisible to them. We've seen some instances where people were say they were charged with javelina and the javelina come running at them. They, basically, because they didn't know they were there. Javelina live in herds and are very protective of their young. When their young are in danger, they make a squealing type noise that can sound like a human scream. So avoid screaming if you get scared by them because they might think your scream is their baby in danger and they'll jump into action. Here's what you want to do. So stomp your feet, you know, clap your hands, make some movement, low, loud noises. Another common question people have is, what do you do if you're walking your dog? Well, the best bet would be to turn around and avoid the javelina. They'll probably view your dog as a threat, especially if they have young javelina with them. They do have very, like I said, very sharp canine teeth that they use to defend themselves and defend the herd. They are a herd animal and they actually use that, you know, strength in numbers, if you will, to protect themselves, protect the herd, and they're pretty good at it. In the Phoenix area, javelina are becoming used to humans, but they might think a dog is a coyote and they might attack. We're not a threat anymore, but your dog still is, you know, you've taken yourself out of the equation. What we need to do ahead of time so that, ever, so that it doesn't become a, a, a safety issue for your dog is we need to be active at discouraging them, making them feel uncomfortable, making them feel unwelcome. Javelina are more active at night and make their way into residential neighborhoods while looking for food. Darren told me about one sure way of getting them to leave the area. He even called it their silver bullet, but without the killing part. And one of the most the simplest things that we can do cost-effective-wise is about 10 to 20% household ammonia diluted with water using one of these high-powered super soaker type squirt guns. Nail them with it. Okay, It's an effective irritant. Um, you're doing two things. You're trying to discourage them from a location, getting them to associate the location with a negative experience, therefore learning to avoid that location. If they know the human is causing this irritation, you're helping yourselves, your neighbors, your community uh, as well so that those animals are afraid of people again and when they hear you, see you, smell you, they're running the other direction. It's also important to make sure if you live in an area where javelina travel into, you're not giving them food or leaving food around knowing that a javelina can get into it. That's actually what makes them frequent the area. I tell people that there's bad feeding and there's terrible feeding. The bad feeding is leaving human-derived food sources out, you know, throwing scraps over the, the fence or wall and that kind of thing, you know, so that these animals are getting used to eating human food sources. The terrible feeding is the direct contact. So when those animals are in the area, you're throwing food to them, getting them accustomed. So there's those animals directly associate a human with providing those food sources. And guess what? If you do this or are tempted to, don't. It's illegal. That's right. Giving your leftovers to wildlife could cost you $300 if you're fined by the government. Also, if you don't want them in your area, don't leave food around and use that silver bullet Darren talked about. Now, to most people, javelina are probably just annoying animals that ravage your trash at night. While reporting this episode, I was surprised to learn they actually have a big place in an important part of Arizona culture, hunting. Javelina are considered big game. To hunt javelina, you have to go through certain steps 
before you can pull that trigger or draw your bow on a javelina. You need to get a hunting license and then put in an application to hunt the animal you want. There's a draw to see if you get chosen. If you do, you get a tag. If you harvest an animal, that tag needs to be applied immediately to the animal. Once you kill an animal, that, that animal's not legally yours until you put your tag on it. The tag limit is two per calendar year, and the money the hunters use to pay for those tags and licenses go right back into the department. They help with conservation of both game and non-game species and their environment. Javelina hunting may not be as much on the radar like deer or bear hunting is, but there are some who are trying to change that. Local hunter Josh Kirshner wrote about this for the website Go Hunt. He's an avid bow hunter with a blog where he writes about his hunting adventures. I met up with Josh one early July morning at Ben Avery Outdoor Archery Range. He first got into hunting as a young child with his dad, but as he got older, that's when it really became his passion. Josh's day job is working as a roofer, but he makes some money on the side writing for hunting websites. I wanted to ask him why he hunts, and specifically javelina. But with javelina, the numbers that they're there, you can get a javelina tag every single year. So you can kind of pl just plan on going javelina hunting. Um, plus, if, you're, if we're talking about like a bow hunting type of thing, um, they are tailor-made for archery hunting because their eyesight is very poor. Um, so as far as like if you want to progress as a bow hunter, getting better at stalking animals and stuff like that, javelina is a fantastic animal to do that with. The solo archery javelina season is in January, so it's usually cold at that time. And javelina hate the cold. They don't have an undercoat. So when the sun is rising, that's when they start to make their way out. Josh walked me through what a hunting trip looks like. The day will start out uh, before the sun comes up and I'll be probably hiking into some uh, lowland desert area to a high point. And, and once I get there, I'll sit down and I'll get my binoculars out. And just as the sun's cresting and kind of hitting, starting to hit all the surrounding hillsides. While on the hillside, he waits for the right moment to take that kill shot. He said, it's really important to get that right. Is so much more than, than killing an animal. That right there, pulling the trigger takes one second. The, the true story behind hunting though, that's not, that's not what you hear during a story. Like when somebody sits down and tells you a hunting story, they don't go, oh, saw him, pulled the trigger, that was it. That's not the story. This, the story is everything that happened before that, right? It's, it's when you're sitting there at night cause you can, and you can't sleep because there's some bang or thunderstorm going on, you know, and you're just getting poured on. And it's when you can't find animals, it's when it's too hot or when it's too cold and there's a bunch of snow and you're just uncomfortable. That right there is adventure. Not only is it an adventure, but it's his way to disconnect with city life and the worries of the world. And I think when you, when you head on into the mountains like that, I think that's truly therapeutic. To him, hunting is the most natural thing you can do and he uses the animal he hunts to feed his family. For the past four years, he hasn't bought meat. That's, so that's another huge plus, is like having the ability to go out there and harvest my own meat. That is not the 
only reason I hunt, but it is a reason for sure. It's a, it's a huge byproduct of the whole process. Josh is really confident in the meat he consumes because none of it is processed like the ones you get in a grocery store. He even uses the javelina meat to make tacos. Put it in a crock pot with uh, some, I, I usually use vegetable stock and just cook that sucker for eight, nine hours on, or on a low or medium, something like that, until the meat basically falls off the bone and you can shred it. And then you've got, basically you've got carnitas. So while talking with Josh, I asked him the same question. Are javelina really dangerous? I wouldn't say they're dangerous, but I mean, they're gonna protect their young if they have to, you know what I mean? They're just like, just like you and me, they're just trying to make a living out there. Um, but more times than not, they're just going to run away from you. Just to recap, if you run into them, make low, loud noises to get them to run in the other direction. If you don't want them intruding in your area, make sure to use that ammonia diluted in water trick. And also, don't feed them or leave food out. Devora, who you heard from the beginning, had the best takeaway from this. You know, just leave them alone. <laughs> it's, this is their territory. Arizona is their home. Uh, we keep building on their home, and so our walking areas, our hiking areas are also their home, so we have to respect that. Hey, it's me, Kayla again. Maritza, how was it to learn about these javelina after being such an intent observer of them in your parking lot? It was such a new way of thinking about them. I didn't know that you could hunt them and spending my time with them at the zoo, they kind of grew on me and they're actually kind of cute now. <laughs> um, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, that's it for today. If you have more questions about how Phoenix is changing, submit them to us at valley101.azcentral.com. And if you're a new listener, remember you can go back and listen to old episodes and let us know what you think about the show by leaving us a rating or review on your podcast listening app. As always, thank you for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. See you next week. <laughs>